Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. And welcome to Running the World, a podcast for anyone's game where we talk about international female football. In the last episode, we went to Germany to discuss the 50 years anniversary and we had some interesting interviews. So if you didn't listen to it, stop this episode and go back because I can tell you, you won't lose your time. In today's episode, we will go to Spain. We had the opportunity to interview Fran Alonso, the new Celtics manager, and Mariluz Sanchez a player for Sterling University. But before we start, let me introduce you to today's team. I'm Alexander Silverson and I'm from Spain. I'm Sunny Burich and I'm from Germany. I'm Salvatore Boemi, I'm from Italy. With the situation that we're experiencing worldwide with the coronavirus, it is remarkable to see how elite athletes look for alternatives to staying safe. In this case, we had interviewed Marilu Sanchez, in which she tells us about her own experience as a football player for the Sterling University. I've been living for most of my life, I guess, in a foreign country. I firstly played in Germany, then Spain, then France, and now in, in Scotland. So I, what I try to do is to just actually um, get involved in the culture and learn and try to understand as much as I can about that culture so that I can understand the people that I'm living with, basically. So that's pretty normal for me. Thing is, I'm just getting like a limited version of it because of the current situation and um, so that's kind of a shame and with everything stopped right now so it's a bit more complicated as gyms are closed and sports facilities are shut and we have to basically train by ourselves it's kind of frust frustrating in that way but then that gives you also time to work on stuff that you wouldn't actually be able to work on on normal times so yeah just really making the most of it and trying not to get bored <laughs> so far i'm really liking it we have haven't been really able to play many games um as i'm have just been here for like i think it's four months maximum and yeah it's i feel it's a completely different to what i've played in france it's definitely a more physical game but it's still really enjoyable and it's still football and people are still super kind and welcoming so I really like it. <laughs> When I was four years old, I moved to Germany. I lived there for eight years. In Germany, it was mainly just for fun. Um, I played until I was 12, just casual football, amateur level. And I played in several teams. I played in SV Pullach, TSV Rosadan, and then SKG Erbstetten. And then I moved back to Spain for four years. And that's where things kind of started getting more serious. I played for three years in futsal because I was struggling to find a football team. It was a little different to football, of course, because it's the smaller space and different rules and all that stuff. Um, but I still enjoyed it. And then when I was 15, I found a football team in Spain. And that's when I actually fell in love with the game, I guess. It was in San Fernando which was 30 minutes away from Cadiz, where I used to live. 
It was a great experience. And that year we won the league. And I played for my city at a regional championship. We played the regional playoffs with my team. So it was a great season. Then when I was on the top of the world, me and my family, we moved to France. The first year was kind of complicated because I was just 16 and I joined a senior team in Marseille, which played regional level. And it was really tough because <laughs> everyone was much older than me, stronger, faster, and things weren't really working out. So I decided to train with a team two hours north from Marseille in Gap for the rest of that season. And then the following season, I had my first debut with them um, at regional one level. It was, I guess, an interesting season because I didn't really speak French that well, but the people were super kind and I felt really well in that team. So I kind of feel like I really fit it in. And yeah, we finished um, fifth that season, which I think is not a bad result regarding there were three academy teams. They were basically all living together, training every day. And we were just casually training three times a week. And then the following year, which was, I guess, the COVID year from 2019-2020, I played in Rousseau, again, with a senior team. And it was a really competitive team with a lot of players, older players, of course, who had experience in D1 and D2. So I really learned a lot from them as they were more experienced than me. Yeah, that season was That was kind of it because then it just got stopped because of COVID and yeah, no playoffs, no nothing. <laughs> I feel Spanish football is way more technical and tactical. So it's really fast game. And then French football is, I feel kind of a mixture between Scottish football and Spanish football because it's fast, but not too fast. And then it's physical, but not too physical. So it's kind of like a good balance between the Scottish and Spanish. And then Scottish football, I feel is it's a bit tougher than Spanish football. It might not actually be as technical than maybe Spanish football. I think I took the biggest two aspects of Spanish and French football. So I'm a little technical, not too much either. There's still a lot I can improve. And also physical. Because I feel strength training is so underrated in women's football. And I really learned that in France, where I just got my own personal coach and was like, okay, let's do strength training. <laughs> and that's where I actually was able to see a difference of being faster, stronger than all my teammates. And you could really see that on the field and afterwards. I think I'm lucky that all the leagues I've played in were really competitive. Because that has pushed me actually to improve my game and see what I have to improve and how I can improve it. But it's true that the league here in Scotland is extremely competitive. Every team can win the game. It's literally the team that is focused the 90 minutes and the one that commits the least mistakes that will actually take three points home. Yeah, however, in France, it was pretty much the same. But I think you could see a difference between the first five teams of the league And then the bottom half, I feel the five first teams were more professional, I would say, in a way. We had better facilities, more coaching staff. It was, it was a different ambience, I guess. For the moment, I just really think on tomorrow, what's going to happen, because it's really uncertain at this time, and we don't really know when the league is going to restart, hopefully in March, but we still don't know. 
Actually, my goal is to stay at least for three and a half more years here in Sterling and then just really see what happens after that. There's really no actual plan, but I'd really like to play back in Spain at some point and maybe in Germany. But it's really just thinking, not really having an actual plan, just taking on the opportunities that come along the way and make the most of it. For me, I really enjoyed this interview because it was like um, Steve was telling us her own experience in how she was like training and how different is the situation compared to before, of course, like there's coronavirus. So she was saying how she's trying to stay in safe at her house and everything. And for me, it's kind of like, I'm a person that I like sports and it's really hard for me to do sports at home. I find it different to do it outside that inside. But yeah, it was amazing to hear her own experience. Yeah, the thing that I found so remarkable about her career is see how she was speaking about how different football is in different countries. And with her literally playing in, what, three, four different countries, always having to adapt to different styles and putting that all together into her own playing character. That's quite astonishing. That is remarkable. And I think that's making her so strong going forward because... Whatever style you throw at her, wherever she ends up playing, she she will have experience. She'll be able to adapt. And I think it's a really strong feature for her going forward. Yeah, I do believe the same. Uh, I totally agree with you, with both of you. Uh, it's a strong feature and she's a strong football player. And in terms of adaptation, especially during the coronavirus situation, the pandemic, it's very difficult for uh football player, for any football player, for elite athletes to find motivation. So I do believe that to find a motivation as an extra skill during this pandemic, um, I think Marilus should follow the suit. And even what you said, Sunny, like, it's really remarkable how she adapts to all the different styles. And for example, us, we're three international students staying in Glasgow, in, in Scotland, and we come from different, like completely different backgrounds. And um, the three of us, we had to adapt to Glasgow. And for example, for me, it was uh, hard in the beginning because I was not used to the accent. But imagine a person that has to adapt to more than one place. Like that has to be crazy. That, that is mental. Now that we got the players doing things, why don't we take a closer look at the stars players in the different national leagues? Let me start with Spain. For example, in Spain, I currently found that the, in the first division, we have Esther from the Levante's uh, woman team with 18 scores, but worth to mention that she isn't far above her teammates in the league as they are treading on his ankles. What about you guys? Uh, the Italian top score flight is Cristiana Girelli. Cristiana Girelli is an Italian footballer who plays as a striker for a Serie A club, uh, Juventus. What happened with Cristiana Gelli? She's also the top scorer of the Italy national team. Uh, she joined Juventus in 2018. Cristiana Gelli is number 10 at Juventus and she's having a very good season. Just now, I think she scored 15 goals in uh, 16 games. I think it's quite un unbelievable. And also, Juventus found the new star. So a player to keep an eye on in the Bundesliga is Lena Oberdorf. And if my words aren't enough, then maybe good cold numbers are because she is rated the player with the highest transfer value in the league. 
She has been playing with Wolfsburg since the season, who I'm sure you will remember have won the trophy in the past years and currently sit second. And other than that, she also has experience with the German national team, which is all pretty impressive considering that she is only 19. Now, her career path is quite astonishing because she actually hasn't had any experience with women's club football until summer 2018 when she signed for SGS Essen. Before that, she in fact played with the men at TSK Sprokofel, which is in the fifth year of German football. That certainly is unusual, but it evidently worked for her and fast-tracked her development to get to the top real quick. What makes Lena Oberdorf so good is that she is extremely versatile. She plays centre-back for Germany, and for Wolfsburg, she's played in centre-mid, out-wide, as well as in defence. She also already looks very much the full package, mentally, physically, and technically. And another thing that she has going for her is that she's a real strong character. She certainly doesn't hold back in training her on the pitch, which she herself puts down to having played with men most of her career. So she is super confident, has already proven herself at senior level, and she's hungry for more. Lena Oberdorf is certainly one to watch. Thank you so much for all that information. Like, it's amazing to see how women are getting higher and higher in the world. And it's amazing that you can Google now and find a lot of things. I mean, for my own opinion, I would like to have more information because still I think it's something missing there, but we can find it. So something is something. But now, speaking of this season's uh, best scores, uh, I have to tell you that Real Madrid player Kosovo Aslani um, has scored the third fastest hat trick in the history of women's football in just 154 seconds. So the Sweden has given Real Madrid victory against Valencia with three historic goals. For my part, I have nothing more to add but to mention that I'm a fan of this player and her quality of play. It's amazing to see all this news and more because I'm a little bit a fan of Real Madrid. So I'm kind of happy that they won. <laughs> okay. For those who don't know, Christy Grimshaw is the girl that should be worth to watch. She was born the 8th November 1995. She's midfielder at AC Milan. She's Scottish and she got a quite unbelievable career. Six years ago, Chris Grimshaw was working as a waitress. She got a lovely passion, football. She wanted to play football. Her dream was to play football. So what she did is she joined a Kirk Caldi um, football um, team. And uh, she, of course, played there and experienced Uh, how to play football at uh, such a good level. After breaking in Kirkidaldi, she went to Aberdeen Ladies, first team at the age of 16, and then was spotted by a scholarship scout. And at the end of 2020-2019, she signed with AC Milan. Nowadays, Christy Grimshaw, she had a quite unbelievable uh, season. Uh, AC Milan is second on, on the league, uh, Juventus is top of the league. And she's playing uh, every match. And uh, she made a couple of good assists and uh, she scored quite good goals. Maybe it would be a new Scotland star. Also, another Bundesliga player definitely worth mentioning is Nicole Biller, who currently is the top scorer and by quite a margin as well. Just now at the time of recording, she sits on 17 goals. And the amazing thing is that she plays for neither of the top two clubs in the league. 
In fact, she's been with TSG 1899 Hoffenheim since 2015. And when she's not busy playing club football, she's also a key player in the Austrian national team. So Hoffenheim are right now in a pretty comfortable third place on the table. And that is also hugely thanks to Nicole Biller. Not only is she the league's top scorer, she also has the fourth most assists. So the numbers alone already really tell you about her quality as a forward. What's so good about the way she's playing is that it fits perfectly with Hoffenheim's attacking style. A couple of games ago, she scored four goals against Duisburg, and that is a truly unique performance. But she's not only getting the goals, she's also a real team player. She never tires of giving shout-outs to her teammates, and she keeps on praising their squad efforts. And also, she continues to push herself and strive for more. So what you have in Nicole Billa is a committed team player with a guarantee of goals, and that is precisely what you want from a forward. I'm happy to hear that all the countries have something to say and that they're keeping up there, and we have some amazing players. But clearly, a good player of any sports needs perseverance and effort, but also behind each team and player, there is a coach or manager. In this case, I'm talking about Fran Alonso, Celtic Spanish manager, who we had the opportunity to interview, and this is what he told us. When I start to work in the main game uh, at Southampton, the club appoint Mauricio Pochettino, I start to get amazing knowledge uh, that how he worked. It was it was unreal. So I thought I need to put this into practice, you know, just to learn it better and and to see how it work in other groups. And then, you know, obviously I was looking for a women uh, team because that way I could kind of kill two birds with one stone. I could help the women game. And then at the same time, I could help my own development by putting into practice what I was learning from these top, top managers. So I was always working full-time in the main game and at the same time, always volunteering in the women game. So I always have two full-time jobs almost, but just one was for free as a volunteer. But I love it. I, I feel very, very passionate. And I'm so pleased to see I mean, we are nowhere near where I want them to be, where we want to be, but I'm so pleased to see when I started 10 years ago and when it's now the women game, is nothing to do. It grows so much in terms of expectation, in terms of, you know, what, what means to, to other little girls. Not, now they were the share with the female player that they like. And, you know, it's, it's so nice to see uh, slowly, it's growing slowly, but it's so nice to see what we are all doing in terms of contribution to try to make the the women game as good as the men game. The approach is totally different. Obviously, you cannot generalize, but normally a male footballer react very, very well to uh, to aggression, to challenge, uh, to physicality. Women footballer react much better to feedback, advice. Uh, they need to know. Obviously, men as well want feedback, but women footballer they need to know why we do this and all the reasoning behind to actually engage. We we did more. So it's totally different in terms of how you motivate or how you engage with the players. In terms of tactics as well, it's, it's different. Females are uh, smaller, you know, that's a fact. But then they defend, for example, female female goalkeeper average high is 174, I think, in centimeter. The male is 192. That's the average of a goalkeeper. And they both defend the same, the same size goal. So what happens, for example, if you are uh, dropping because you want to defend deep, at one point you have to engage to avoid shooting. In the main game, it's normally the edge of the box. In the women game, you have to engage at least five yards before because of the size of the keeper and the size of the goal. So it's, dif it's different. There are Some of them are little details, some of them are bigger details. Obviously, menstrual cycle is massive in terms of you know this hormonal change. 
uh, risk of injuries is slightly higher in the week before the menstrual cycle or, or the week uh, of the menstrual cycle. Uh, so all these things that you have to take into consideration in the women game, you don't have to take into consideration in the men game. So there are a lot of difference. I find very, very exciting uh, the women game. It's very, it's very rewarding. I wouldn't say it's better. I wouldn't say it's worse. I, I love both. And I was lucky enough to be at the highest level of both games. I can compare Spain to, to England or British football. Tactically and technically, I, I like more the type of football that you play in Spain. But physically, is here is like, you know, it's the most intense league in the world. Um, there is a lot of press, pressure on the ball. You have no time on the ball. So it's, it's very, very intense. So I think British football, very, very intense, very physical. Spanish football, much less intense, probably uh, tactically and technically a little bit better. The style we play is, is the style I, I love since I was a kid. I always watch teams that start with Brazil national team. Then I, I, I admire how they play Barcelona, um, Johan Cruyff's Barcelona. Then Spanish national team that won the World Cup. Uh, this type of football I love. And then obviously, you know, I, I like as well Guardiola type of football, um, Sarri type of football that he did Empoli or Napoli. I, I really love that, that type of football. And this is what I try to bring here. So obviously shape, I think when you want to uh, inspire your players, when you want to uh, make them believe in, you know, you have to love it. You have to believe in it. Uh, you cannot inspire something that you don't believe yourself. The first is you need to be passionate about it. And then maybe you can get people to, to love that and make them their way as well. Uh, so for me, playing a style is very, very important. Uh, it's as important as, as results. In a professional game, that sounds sounds crazy, but for me, it's as important. If we win and we don't play well, I'm never happy. I'm only happy when, oh, well, fully happy. I'm only fully happy when we play well and and I am, and win. I mean, I didn't expect COVID. Um, I didn't expect a storm, Kiara. I didn't expect a storm, Denise. <laughs> so it's been it's been very tough. I've been thirteen months here. Uh, we only play eleven games, so it's been so much more tougher than I thought. Mentally, obviously, I moved here on my own um, in, a, in a brand new country, in a brand new city. So it's been, for me, personally tough. I, I always been very concerned about the players because I consider myself a very uh, mental, strong individual. But, you know, you got players that are like 16, 17, 18, and some of them are here to play football. Uh, and, you know, they are in lockdown. They are not allowed to train. So I, I'm very, very concerned. I think it's, it's the most challenging uh, GR in my whole career. Nothing to do with Celtic, uh, to do with everything what's around uh, the Scottish league nowadays. Um, in the first lockdown was every league, but now we are the only league, which is even more, it's even harder to take. Saying that, I was very, very impressed since the first day. I, I, I took charge of the team, went to the stadium. The presentation was unbelievable. The level, the level of expectation. I, I don't know how many interviews we did. Uh, it was a very, very long day, but it was, it was beautiful. And you can see even in the questions of the journalists or the, the passion of, of the people about the, the football club is, is amazing. And, and this is what moved me. That's what made me be a, a coach. It's about changing lives in a positive manner. And when people are so passionate, it's easier, it's your job. I'm so happy I came here. Uh, of course, I would do it again. But I have to recognize that it's been so much tougher than, than, than it was anticipated. When is going to be the end of this nightmare? I don't know. Hopefully soon. Um, it's not only about football, of course. It's about uh, it's about life in general.
but for us that we came here just to do football and we are not allowed to do football, we are full-time professional football coaches, football players, and not being allowed to do it, um, it's very hard to take. It's very hard to take. So obviously, no regrets. I love it. Uh, I'm so excited about getting back to, to do what we love. But it's the most challenging job I ever had in my life. So what I found really remarkable about this interview was how much passion he had for what he's doing. You know, with everything he said about his early career, about what he's doing now, even the challenges he's facing with COVID just now, he has so much passion for what he's doing. And you can really, really tell that that's what's his life. And he really found his calling. What I found interesting uh, has been his career, where he started. Uh, he didn't start it immediately onto the pitch to do uh, a football coach, but he was a translator, uh, Southampton, with, uh, to a Spanish player. So I think this one is term of adaptation uh, as a really good feature for him. He started from the bottom to reach the top. Well, I just don't have anything more else to say. Just to say thank you to Mariluth and Fran for how amazing they were and how enthusiastic uh, they were too. And thank you, Sani and Salvadore, for letting us know more about international female football. Um, you have listened to Running the World, a bi-monthly podcast about international women's football, in which we went from Germany to Spain, and then the next stop is going to be Italy. Just keep an eye out for our bonus episode where you can hear more from Mariluth and Fran. I hope you enjoy it and see you next month. I'm Alexandra Silverton from Spain. I'm Sunny Vuri from Germany. I'm Salvatore Boemi from Italy. And this was Running the World.